Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Monday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the usual fashion by giving us the weather for today. In Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy, 71. In Houston, Texas, it is sunny, 77. In Chicago, Illinois, it is partly cloudy, 64. And in New York City, it is sunny, 63. Well, another weekend down, another busy weekend. This weekend was uh, definitely busy for us, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, as busy as it was in certain aspects, it felt very fulfilling, wouldn't you say? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we got that extra hour of sleep Sunday. But let me tell you, this Monday morning didn't do a damn thing for me. No, still feeling a little exhausted, are you? Yeah, I could use an extra seven. Yeah, I mean, I have days like that, too. I gotta say, today, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'd say I'm feeling comfortable, mostly because, again, I'm just kind of hanging out in my, uh, you know, just my fuzzy bathrobe, and just, like, it's warm, it's cozy, and it's a nice Monday morning. Must be nice, Nick. Some of us have to work, so we can't be in bathrobes all day long. (laughs) Yeah, this is just for the morning, you know, until I'm up and really at him. So it's been good. But yeah, no, the extra hour of sleep, I got to say, was enjoyable. No. (laughs) Why can't they change it to like, you know, there's a proposed bill right now, Nick, to completely get rid of, you know, the changing of the clocks. Mm -hmm. I say, why one hour? Why not make it like three hours let's go the opposite direction of the bill give us a three hour change like three hours extra sleep yes please it'd be magnificent like i i definitely wouldn't complain you know there's been a lot of memes circulating around of i woke up five years ago and i'm still exhausted yeah or you know what I'm talking about. I yeah, yeah, yeah. woke up tired five years ago and I'm still tired or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like I woke up tired in November 2020 and I'm still tired. Yeah, you know, there's just that slight little uh, fatigue that never seems to quite go away. You know, you can put it off to the back of your mind. You can put it off for a little bit, but it's just sitting there waiting to take effect. Yeah. So if anyone wants to get behind my proposed bill, you know, let's bring it to Congress. Three hours extra sleep. Yeah. Or they should just make it a federal holiday (laughs) the day after the hour change. Because you know what? You get that extra hour sleep, but it's almost like you wake up an hour earlier. Mm -hmm. So are you really getting that extra hour here? Yeah. I mean, you know. There are pros and cons to it, I'd have to say. Um, I don't know where I really stand on it as if, uh, as if it really affects me all that much. Obviously, an extra hour of sleep does seem nice. But yeah, no, you, you there are some prospects to it that make you go, mm, I don't know. But oh, Well, Nick, let's sleep. be honest. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did it this year, but last year, I know you stayed up until 3 a.m., so then it could just click right back to 2 a.m., <laughs> So you, you're not getting the extra hour of sleep. I'm getting the extra hour of being awake and, you know, the extra hour of life. So either way, I mean, it contributes. It's still fine. 
See, but that's not how it works. Mm. You know, most Americans, if they like it, they're like, yay, next hour I sleep, and next week, yay, I'm going to live th- through two o'clock twice. <laughs> You're there's just not certain, normal. There's a certain satisfaction that comes from watching the clocks change, okay? Can You're I just not, not experience that? No. Because most people are like, yay, an extra hour of sleep satisfaction. And Nick's just over here. I'm going to stay up until 3 a.m. just for it to be 2 a.m. again. And then stay up until 3 a.m. again. Well, you know what? I'm tired of your judgmental nature about me watching the clocks change. We have a lot of news to get into this morning. So let's start out with a COVID update. The latest seven-day average for new cases in the United States is 70,431 per day. The latest seven-day average for new hospitalizations is 5,075. And the latest seven-day average for deaths is 1,110. At this time, about 222.6 million people, or 67% of the country's population, has received at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. About 193 million people, or 58% of the U.S. population, is fully vaccinated at this point in time. About 98% of those 65 years old or older have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, and about 86% of those people are fully vaccinated. At this time, about 22 million booster doses have been administered to Americans all throughout the country. Thank you, Nick, for that wonderful COVID-19 update. Getting into the COVID-19 vaccine mandates, the Labor Department and OSHA rules regarding the vaccine mandates for companies with more than 100 employees are out. And before we get into the rules, you need to understand these rules are already being challenged in the courts. OSHA's emergency temporary standards said employees have until January 4th, 2022 to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or agree to regular COVID-19 testing for full or part-time employees. We told you these rules were coming Friday morning. The emergency temporary standards for vaccines and testing says if you work for a company with more than 100 employees, you either have to be fully vaccinated by January 4th or get tested for COVID every week. Also, if you refuse to be vaccinated and instead undergo The testing OSHA says you must wear a mask at all times at work. And OSHA says the emergency temporary standard rule overrides any state or local law that bans your employer from requiring you to be vaccinated, be tested, or wear a face covering. There are some exceptions to this rule. Those of you who work from home or don't interact face-to-face with other workers or patrons, even if your company has more than 100 employees do not have to comply with any mandate unless your employer decides to go above and beyond the minimum and make its own requirements as a term of employment. Of course, you may be eligible to get a medical or religious exemption, but you would be excluded from this if you are a federal worker or a healthcare worker uh, whose agency receives their money from Medicaid. 
This is because the president already signed an executive order that mandates the vaccine for all of those workers by January 4th of 2022 with no testing option. According to the OSHA rule, you must give proof of vaccination to your employer and your employer must keep that private but on file. And if you or your employer don't comply, there are hefty fines. OSHA says it will conduct regular on-site workplace inspections and impose penalties. Those can range anywhere from $13,000 per serious violation all the way up to $136,000 if a company willfully violates the rules. OSHA says your employer must give you paid time off to get the vaccine as well as give you time off to recover if you have any side effects. If you choose to be tested instead of being vaccinated, you may have to pay out of pocket for your own testing. Your employer is under no obligation to pay for that testing unless there is a separate deal with a union or other laws that require it. So continuing with the topic, a lot of people have lots of questions about the new rules around the official OSHA rules surrounding the COVID-19 vaccine. And here are some of the most popular questions. Um, the first one being, what is OSHA and do they actually have the authority to put these mandates into place? OSHA is not some private independent organization just throwing things out there with these rules uh, all randomly. OSHA is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They are part of the U.S. Department of Labor. It is a division created by Congress when they passed a law back in 1970 to ensure safe working conditions for workers by setting national standards. They provide outreach, education, and assistance as well. So OSHA is part of the federal government. In this case, they were ordered by the president to come up with, distribute, and enforce this rule. Is this rule illegal if my state has banned vaccine mandates and do I have to follow it? Lawsuits are already being filed and a federal judge has already temporarily blocked it. There are several lawsuits piling up over these rules and we won't know an in-depth outcome of those just yet. States like Florida, Missouri, Louisiana, Indiana, and Texas, just to name a few, have all filed lawsuits in separate U.S. courts of appeals. Some private companies have filed a lawsuit as well. Their arguments are exactly as expected. They believe the federal government is majorly overreaching with all of this. This doesn't apply to the United States Postal Service, does it? For some reason, a lot of people have the idea that this does not apply to the USPS and whether or not the postal workers need to comply with this new OSHA rule. The fact is OSHA specifically called out the USPS and says yes, they must comply with this rule as well, just like everyone else. The CDC, White House staff, and all other federal employees and contractors under the jurisdiction of the executive branch must comply with a stricter version. 
Federal workers must be fully vaccinated by January 4th, and they have no testing option like we said before. Notice how we said the executive branch, that is because the judicial branch and the legislative branch cannot be ordered to do anything by the executive branch. This is because we have three co-equal branches of government in this country. Does my specific job environment or conditions in any form exempt me from this mandate? I'm sure lots of you have specific questions about what counts as 100 employees and whether your specific working conditions and environment would subject you to this rule or even exempt you from this rule. For all of that information in the show notes, there is a link to OSHA's FAQ on the matter. After months of back and forth, the House has now officially passed the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The final vote was 228 to 206, with 13 Republicans voting for it and six Democrats voting against it. This bill has already passed the Senate back in August, with all Democrats and independents voted yes, along with the 19 Republicans also voting yes for it. This is the bill that funds all kinds of traditional infrastructure. This is not the Reconciliation Human Infrastructure Bill. We will be talking about that one in just a minute. Before we do that, though, let's address what exactly is in the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. It includes $550 billion in new spending over the next five years. It funds all kinds of traditional infrastructure projects across the country, like $110 billion to rebuild roads and bridges, $73 billion to rebuild the power grid, $65 billion for high-speed internet slash broadband, $66 billion for improvements to railways and freight cars, $55 billion to clean up the national water pipes and remove lead pipes, $39 billion to improve public transit, $29 billion for improvements to airports, and $7.5 billion to build electric car charging stations, just to name a few. This bill will now go to the president's desk for a signature, and he has indicated that he is ready to sign it as soon as it hits his desk. After passing the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the House took a a vote to support the president's Build Back Better agenda, but it was not a vote on the bill itself. There is actually two separate bills we are talking about. The first vote was on the bill we just talked about, and the second bill was to deal with the human infrastructure. The human infrastructure vote was just a procedural vote, and that bill itself will expand the social safety net And that bill itself is currently estimated to cost roughly $1.75 trillion to $1.9 trillion. The procedural vote Friday night was just a vote on the rule itself, and it was the first step on getting this bill passed through the House of Representatives. It still needs to have a final vote in the House. Then if it passes, it needs to go to the Senate where it will have a voterama followed by a final Senate vote. We know the Democrats' plan is to pass the Build Back Better bill alone without one single Republican voting for it. And this is a long process and is far from over. And what goes into this bill and how much it actually costs is still up in the air. 
Now moving into rapid news, the stock market is up 40% from election time last year uh, for a total of $14 trillion. At least eight people have died and many others were injured at the Houston area Astro World Music Festival, locals authorities say. And First Lady Jill Biden is embarking on a nationwide campaign to get children 5 to 11 years old vaccinated this week. Nick, what do you got for Monday morning good news? Alright, so this story, just straight up cool. It's a short one, but I just had to share it because, I don't know, I, I thought it to be pretty interesting. So, there's... A place in California where they do an annual um, scarecrow competition around this time of year. So this bakery, and it has to do with the businesses in the town. So the businesses get together, um, you know, and, and compete against one another to see who can build the best scarecrow. And there, there is a bakery in this town that decided to get extremely creative. So they took the alligator by the name of Loki, who is a Marvel character, and made Loki out of bread. You heard me right. They decided to make the alligator out of bread. So what they did was they formed a base made out of chicken wire, and then they molded the dough around that metal base and then they put it in the oven. Well, they did this several more times. They had to add a layer every time, and then they got their, you know, the general shape of it down. And then they even went as far as to make scales for it. They sh they sculpted the the scales using the bread, and cooked all of that. So by the end, they literally had a um a sculpted alligator made out of bread for this competition this is a really cool good news story it you know it's a community-based competition and they took it to the next level you know i kind of want to say they're a little bit of a show-off but since i like baking too there is probably nothing that would stop me from doing that as well so i i i have to give them credit where credit is due for this one you know where you say it might be a little bit of a show-off, I think it's just pure talent on display here because, like, it's one thing to just make a scarecrow, you know, have your employees just make a, sca a scarecrow. But to actually make it out of bread, you know, you take what you're good at, you take what your business is all about, in other words, baking, and you get your employees together and... You bake this bread alligator. That's amazing. And I love it so much. Who you know what? You can say you've never had a bite out of a bread alligator in it. <laughs> Maybe it tastes even better than a loaf of bread. Look, I want to taste that breadigator. I'm calling it a breadigator now. It's official. You do that, Nick. Well, Nick's wanting to taste his red gator. I'm going to wrap up the show because I think Nick is now dreaming about eating it. That is the end of this Monday morning news episode. Make sure you come back Wednesday morning for 
Ain't dumb law, but until then, make sure you follow us on BBP News' Twitter account for the latest 24-hour breaking news so you are always in the know. Check out our personal accounts and head over to Medium to see what we are writing about over there. Until Wednesday morning, have a great start to your week, everybody.